is Soul Over the Bones, a podcast for rewilding by Liz Glenn. Mother Wild is a community created to mother mothers. With plenty of opportunities to meet online and in person, Mother Wild provides courses and retreats with moms in search of their wolf pack in mind. In this episode, I'm joined by two parts of the Mother Wild leadership, Carmela and Karen, who have ended up being a couple of the most incredible humans I've had the privilege yet to connect with. I'm so excited to share this community and this conversation with all of you for the sake of nurturing your rewilding journey and so much more. Please enjoy. I am so excited to be talking with both of you about Mother Wild. But first, before we jump in, could each of you please give a little introduction for listeners who maybe aren't familiar? Karen, I feel like you would give the most, I think you would give the most succinct answer. I might go rambling off. Well, I think maybe the best thing to do is something that we always do when we get on the phone. Well, when we remember is three deep breaths. So is it okay if we all take three deep breaths together? Yes, please. So take a moment to get comfortable, relax your shoulders, lengthen your spine. When you're ready, take a deep breath in through the nose. Pause at the top. Sigh it out. Second deep breath in. Hold. And release. Third full breath in. Hold. And letting go. And then just repeat, repeat, repeat. Well, I think maybe it's best to start with, yeah, just some personal introductions. So I'm Karen. I am one of the co-founders of Mother Wild. I am from New Zealand. I currently live in Japan. And we've been running Mother Wild now for a couple of years. And to give a little backstory of Carmela, who will soon introduce herself, it all came from Carmela, who is um, who ran, instead of a mastermind course, ran a mastermind course, all designed to help mothers just reconnect with themselves and um the original founders of Mother Wild didn't want to let go of the course when it had finished. And so we decided to come together and and build something um, so we could help connect more with other mothers and build a community and, um, yeah, just help support each other. So that was kind of where Mother Wild came from. But I'll let Carmela introduce herself and, and um, where the original mastermind also came from for her. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm Carmela. I am part French, part Spanish. We're we're currently living in Thailand for a couple of months. Mother Wild, I think Martha yeah, taking the Martha Beck course was like opening many drawers and just questioning upbringing and all these limiting beliefs that I think we're fed. And I took this course with Liz Gilbert and Martha Beck for writing and I wrote down all these things that I was like putting on hold in the name of motherhood because I had at the time, I think a two and a four-year-old and I just had this meltdown with my husband where I was like, oh my God, I'm following my mom's footsteps. And my mom like stopped everything the moment she had kids. And I was like, but I still, there there are other desires and there's all, all these other things that I would love to do and mother, um, which I hadn't been shown since my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And he was like, he's from Finland or so it's the Scandinavian he's like well let's do it let's make it work you know he was working full-time he was working at a company and so he's just like we can ask my mom for help we can hire we can get help and I was like oh my god that's an option and so I ended up going on all these 
spiritual trips, I guess, for a little duration. Um, the Kuma Nakoda, which Karen's going to walk soon. Uh, the Camino in Spain, which is just hiking. I like tried fasting and then I tried ayahuasca in Peru. And then the messages was like, oh, you got to work. I can't remember. At some point I was looking up at a ceiling and there were like 38 broken knees or it looked like it. it was just like these wooden things. And I was just, and then the message was just like, you just need to work with other mothers who've scraped their knees and together you'll like lift a new roof. It was like, it made complete sense at the time. I'm sure now I sound like a complete loony bean, but I just went away and like started a course called the online mama village and um, ran it for like eight people at a time until I got to 30 something. I can't remember. And then from there, from those women, I was like, Hey, do you want to go a little bit deeper? Let's do the mastermind. And um, these lovely ladies showed up and we went pretty, pretty deep and it was during COVID. So it was just like, it gave us sanity in a time when just things felt completely crazy. And uh, we showed up every day. And then at the end, as Karen said, we were like, okay, what, we don't want this to end. This is the beginning of, of something. So we started running like three-day summits for mom called Mother to Mother. And then from there, things evolved. And we accidentally created a business because we had to register it somehow. And then, yeah, beautiful women have come in. Some beautiful women have stepped off. New women are coming. It's just, you know, you you come in, you take what you need and, and give what you can. And it's just been this beautiful flock. Yeah, that's how that's how it started. <laughs> oh, as I am talking with you both, I'm thinking that even though I asked you to be on to talk to my listeners, I think inadvertently I may have invited you both on because this is what I needed. Because <laughs> even just from your introductions, <laughs> I'm like, this is something that I have been grappling with so much lately. I had just read The Baby on the Fire Escape, and we keep talking about how Rachel is sort of the precursor, and the Rachel to which I am referring is Rachel Larson Weaver. For those who weren't on to hear our pre-podcast chat, but she has been facilitating these mother creator book clubs, and the one book that she had a sign that really resonated with me was the baby on the fire escape, which follows in case either one of you haven't read it, mm. the different walks of life or different types of mothering from different creators, mostly writers, but artists, creative people, women in the 1900s. And the thing that stands out to me the most is the narrative that the author herself, Julie Phillips, discusses about her perception of motherhood. And really, I've been grappling, as we discussed a little bit before our call as well, with my daughter who is going through adolescence, sort of this tween stage. And as she grows older, how I change as a mother, how I'm needed less, how I am glorified in our culture less. I'm becoming more and more invisible to the world around me, but also seemingly in my perception to my daughter, she needs me less, which is a natural change. However, I am grappling now with who am I, if not mother? This is the question that I have been asking myself. And I think something big is going to be coming of this Really quick, let me find this quote I want to share with you that the author Julie Phillips had said. She said, and actually this is a quote from somebody else. I'll have to cite to this in the show notes, but someone else that she had quoted said, I realized all of a sudden that I still exist. Mm. And this is what I've been struggling with right now is that I have sacrificed every part of myself in the name of mothering from attachment parenting to homeschooling, as Karen and I had discussed, to all facets of my life where my daughter is at the forefront and her needs are what has come first. But it has been an isolating and lonely journey, especially now when this person that needed me so much doesn't need me anymore. And I am craving that community. So before Mother Wild, did you find that you had that sort of mother community, either one of you? I'd like to hear from whoever would like to speak to this. Or did this really sort of fill that void for you? 
I, I think when my first daughter was born, I had a, a real, maybe a similar experience in that I thought I had to put everything else on hold. You know, as soon as she was born, I was a mother and my needs and my wants had to be pushed to the side. So I quickly realized that wasn't possible. <laughs> you know, I think probably a couple of days in that I would go absolutely nuts if I, I followed that parenting path. But until Carmela, I don't really think I had the the sense of community. I definitely still did things for myself and followed passions, you know, like I went on yoga retreats or, you know, prioritized making sure that I was looking after myself. But I think the missing component was finding really like-minded people and, you know, realizing that there are so many different paths and different ways to approach motherhood and also just how important, you know, we want our kids to honor their needs and what they want to follow and follow their dreams but if we don't mirror it for them then how do they know that yeah and then just one more thing I was thinking have you read the book if woman rose rooted no mm-hmm. I haven't but it is on my to read list which is about a mile and a half long <laughs> yes I've got I've got one of those on my phone um, I keep adding one to read to all these different books but they there was another you know because there's a different like archetypes and they talked about the creative rainbow mother archetype. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I need to look more into it because she referenced it in regards to a book that she had read, the author had read. But that was all about, you know, this this vision of motherhood where you are not putting yourself to the side and you are pursuing your dreams and, and how that nourishes others. We always talk about, you know, you can't fill from an empty cup. So how do we expect to, you know, lift up our children if we can't look after ourselves? Yeah. Oh, that's so true. I don't know if you want to add anything either, Carmela. I'm going to open it oh, up. Oh, no, just any question that starts with, have you read, have you heard, or have you watched? The answer is no. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I haven't read any of these books, but it's on my to-do list as well. Um, in terms of, did I have a community? No, I used to be very involved in the action sports world, like snowboarding and like started women's circles there. And, and I, I mean, I know how babies are made, but I remember asking three times, the guy, like, how did I get pregnant? Like, I don't get it. I don't understand. And it was, you know, I had just gotten married like two months before, like the timing was fine. Like, but it was just a little like, ah, what? And I'm pretty sure my son chose when he wanted to come, but like none of my other friends were having babies at that time. I remember being on like a conference call of one of like the action sports conferences that I would lead, but I was like with baby in arms. And I just remember breaking down to like an whole like audience being like, don't do it. What did I do? (laughs) Um, And I remember them looking terrified. I'm pretty sure I like freaked out my best friend, Alina, from ever having kids. So it took her like 10 years to have her kids after. So no, I did not have a circle, but I remember making a vision board with no kids on it, but I had put like Thelma or Louise. I can't remember. And then soon after that, we were living in Japan at the time and there was like a Tokyo pregnancy group meeting and it was a rainy day and I was like, I don't feel like going. And I already had June who was like two and a half. And I remember like, like flipping a coin and it was like, nope, you got to go to the meeting. I was like, no, I got to put the rain boots and my feet are swollen and I can't take the rain boots off by myself. So I have to wear them until my husband comes home. And I was like, okay, screw it. I'll just put the rain boots. And like, I went to that meeting and that's the meeting I met Tasha Miller and yeah, and she was the Thelma to my Louise. So I'm I'm really glad I, I flipped that coin and, and ended up going wearing rain boots all day. But after that, like just ha- I think I needed just one person to echo like my despair and my post anxiety, postpartum anxiety. And Tasha was that that person who just like nodded at the right moment in the conversation, who reflected like the comments where you're like, oh, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. In partnership with doing yoga, and that's how I met Karen at a this beautiful teacher called Lucy Roberts. I think just just that path of okay, let's do the mental work, like cleaning up our thoughts, but as well as the physical work, which is um, I think my first conversation with Karen was, and I had just given birth. Had I had Ella, I can't remember, but I was like, "Do you queef when you go upside down?" <laughs> and Karen, so I love proper, it that we could be like, oh, absolutely. I love that's like Carmela's superpower is she's just 
totally upfront, honest. There's it how it is. Mm. But Karen, who was like, you know, this elegant swan was like, yes. <laughs> like, but yeah, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I also oh. teach yoga and Carmela teaches yoga as well. And um, it is common for, you know, people who are listening as well. So we should clarify. Just that. don't do it in a room of gay men, which I have. They were completely disgusted by me. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, I'm so glad. Like, this is a huge thing for me is like talking about things that are stigmatized and destigmatizing, just normalizing bodies. I mean, this again ties by into- the act of putting a spotlight on it, you make a detail. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and we also mm-hmm. are starting to have like sex talks with our daughter. I mean, this is something that I have always struggled. How do we do this? How do we, I mean, from conception, it's always been, we're going to talk about anatomically correct terms and not creating any sort of stigma. But again, going through this sort of tween stage, it's very difficult to want to like say things about a body because it's embarrassing. And there's all of this, Mm -hmm. like, I don't already this sort of stigma just from being in public school for two years. But when she comes home and is saying like this boy said he wants to have sex with and suddenly we're thrown into this and we're like, we're going to have this talk now. We're going to do it. We're going to jump in and and it's yeah. scary, but just trying to maintain an openness and be like, this is normal. This is normal. You see this, this is normal. And having that, I've always tried to maintain what my previous mother-in-law said was a bohemian way of parenting. And I sort of pride myself <laughs> on that. And really that it's just being open-minded, open-hearted and keeping an open dialogue. So it's interesting that Karen brought up that we are supposed to embody for our children. We're supposed to pattern for our children, the kind of people that we want to allow them to be, because that's not how my neuroticism works. My neuroticism says I need to sacrifice everything for my child in order to be the good mother. And I love that you brought up Carmela archetypes because that is such a huge. Karen brought up the archetypes as well. (laughs) Okay, we'll see. Here we go. Okay. So I love that you brought up archetypes as well because archetypes are such an important thing to me in my understanding of self and others. But by trying to be the good mother, I feel that I am supposed to sacrifice all aspects of myself in order to be this attainable, which we know is a myth, good mother, which is a binary. And I don't believe in in binaries either, but I see on the website that there is a quote by you, Carmela, that says, small humans can only have a better chance of growing up happy and healthy when a mother is truly embodying it for them. And I love that because yes, we need to be the kind of people that We want our children to have the freedom to be. We want to show them that mothers can take care of themselves and that when they become mothers, they don't need to disappear entirely or forget who they are. So I don't know if you want to speak to that quote, if I'm kind of talking about it out of context, if you want to clarify. Not at all. Yes. Actually, Karin, did you want to say anything? I wanted to just bring up something that I wrote where, because I'm looking at like, even in our own family, like our siblings, the way we turn back and look at how our mom raised us is very different. Even though we were, you know, we were given pretty much the same, the same cards, maybe some favoritism, but um, it's really funny how, and just looking forward toward my kids, like, even though I might think I'm, you know, giving them the best I can, the way they're going to turn around and see it might not be the way I think, you know, they're entitled to look back and see my parenting and judge it in their own way and I wrote it in a way that might be better um Karen is there anything you wanted to add what popped up when you were speaking just then was you know like the definition of selfless you know like we often compliment mothers or praise them for being selfless and it's like it's that's horrible that's like a loss of self and yeah just when I reflected and 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 thought about it in that way it's I don't praise people for being selfless. I don't think it's um, something that we should be doing. I love that. And really, I want to add just really quick onto that, that that can also sort of be attached to 
calling someone full of herself. Mm. Where originally you're thinking, okay, that means conceited. That means selfish in a way that is cringy or unacceptable, but really to think about being full of yourself sort of denotes or brings to mind having a cup that is full, being full of yourself, being embodied, being connected to self rather than selfless, which ironically is what we glorify in our culture, but that's a loss of self, a disconnection from self. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think that's a poignant point to hit on. But I will say that certain moms do, like I've had moms come who are like professionals who are like, I actually just want to be domesticated. Like I want to be at home more. Um, And so I think every mom has a different, you know, we we're all different, just like kids are different. Every pregnancy is different. So I think just forgiving either out, like forgiving whatever it is that you want. Like it's totally like you were saying with your daughter, it's normal. And that too is normal. And even if it's effed up, it's normal. Okay. So I rewrote it. It was a text written by Ken Keith. And it was adapted by Mother Teresa and written on the walls of her home for the children who called it. But I just changed it to make it relevant for mothers. But just to say, like, no matter what trajectory you choose, even if you're embodied and, you know, you're happy as self, they might turn around and be like, well, she was selfish. Or if you're not, then, oh, she was selfless. Like, it, you, they're going to have their own judgment of us no matter what. And they might be different from sibling to sibling. So here I wrote, if you're fulfilled your kids may admire you or accuse you of being selfish, be fulfilled anyway. If you're nourishing and loving, your kids may adore you or resent you for it. Nourish and love them anyway. The years you spend raising your kids may be forgotten. Raise them memorably anyway. Give the best you have and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. So yeah, be you regardless of what society or even your kids think about it. They're going to have their own judgments and we can only do our best. But still, yeah. Camilla, first of all, that's so beautifully put. But I think what you're saying also with like for the, you know, corporate mother who decides that she really wants to like go the domestic route. I think it all does come back to your coming back to your authentic self and what you want to do. Like it's not that there's one wrong way or one right way. It's like, who are you? And I know your podcast especially is about like rewilding and what is like rewilding to you and that looks different to every single person like for me I, you know I've talked about this in our community before for me rewilding it doesn't have like this crazy connotation or anything it's all about authenticity and like what do I need and when everything gets quiet like what is important to me kind of thing yeah so I think you know that person is listening to themselves rather than thinking they have to follow a certain path rewilding for me is a different definition like to me it's really yeah. going into the wild and I love taking and the, yeah. the retreat, I remember Rachel came to the retreat where I was like okay we're gonna go out in the wild now and she was like, <laughs> <she's> like <laughs> I hear you I see where you're going with this like I truly just believe giving like a little pocket of wilderness where women where moms don't have to clean up nature just there's no messiness <laughs> there's no there's nothing everything is perfect as it is every tree every every twig and just letting moms be in a wild environment and reconnect in, with silence, with, in solitude, and just see what happens when you have conversations with with the wild. Um, <laughs> so it's it's very different from Karin, but I think everyone has yeah. a different interpretation of what rewilding. And I like is, that aspect. I, I like that aspect too. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, nature is a key element, but there is there are differences. I love that you bring that up, though, because. You're right. I don't want to shame anybody listening for not being this fully embodied, realized person that they aspire to be that maybe they aren't yet, or maybe their path looks different. And that's not what rewilding means to them, or that's not what being a good mother means to them. And there is no such thing as good mother. And I really don't think there's any one end goal for any person because we are all so vastly different that we couldn't possibly hope to end up in the same place and and thank god for that thank whoever for that that we don't have to all end up the same as each other but yeah i i definitely don't want to 
create a sort of stigma around there is one right way of doing this because of course there isn't. And no matter where you are, there's, I mean, the last thing that mothers need is more judgment. So (laughs) there is no judgment on anything that I'm saying. I also want to add that this is the first time I've ever gotten teary eyed as I'm interviewing somebody for my podcast, like that mother Teresa mother quote that you sort of concocted was exactly what I needed to hear. And I really do feel like shout out to Rachel. Thank you for sending these wonderful people my way. I do feel like this is exactly the medicine that I need. The medicine that I'm trying to pawn off on other people is exactly the medicine I ironically need myself. So thank you so much, both of you for your authenticity as we're talking and your vulnerability. But I am curious if you want to discuss what your connections, both of you have mentioned nature as a very important element to both of you. Did you grow up walking around in nature? Is that something that was instilled in you? Or was there like a certain point in your life in which you sort of found this connection to nature unavoidable? I think as I've got older, it's become more important. I think growing up in New Zealand, though, we are it's a very outdoorsy culture and you're constantly at the beach as an adult though. And especially since having children, I think I value being outside more and yeah, I can't think if I can, you know, pinpoint like a specific moment, but I think the older I get, there is this, this sense. And it probably is a lot to do with the work we do through mother wild. Uh, And the more that I connect with nature and I notice it when I'm not, at the moment, I'm spending a lot of time at my desk and I have to actively get outside. And if I don't, it does impact on my mood. It, it has an impact on how I feel. And we run retreats. And, you know, the one that we've referenced with um, Rachel Lassen-Weaver, who keeps coming up in our conversation today, we were outside, we're in nature. And the impact that it has when you're also alone, but also in community when we were all there together. So we had time together and we had time alone, but yeah, it made a difference, the location we were in and being surrounded by such beautiful scenery and the forests. Yeah. I mean, I think you're describing that it's both. It's like nature and nurture, right? It's you grew up in this beautiful place. I've not ever had the privilege yet of visiting New Zealand. Mm -hmm someday I hope to. And from what I understand, it's an incredibly beautiful place and a very outdoorsy place that you spend a lot of your time outdoors. But also as you grow up and have this more mature connection to earth, you find that it physiologically changes you and grounds you and comforts you and you want more of the thing that feels good. I found that's a similar thing as well. Growing up in Michigan, I never had an appreciation for the outdoors, but now coming back as an adult, I have a renewed sense of appreciation for the birds that I can now name, the plants that I can now identify, for the trees that I have sort of gained this relationship with where I didn't used to have that. But as an adult, and maybe just as someone who feels marooned here sometimes, like really loving Southern California, and then moving back to Michigan, it has been a lifeline to connect with nature in that way and become familiar with it. So maybe that's just middle age, like as I'm approaching middle age, it's becoming clearer that I now enjoy bird watching. (laughs) I do. Yeah. I do think it has something to do with age though, because I definitely, you know, there was a phase, I mean, not that I've never not liked being in nature, but it wasn't as prioritized. And I think as you connect more to yourself, you connect more to your environment and the need to be, part of nature and have these experiences in nature is definitely stronger the older I get and I don't think that will change yeah I think one thing that is is really important to me and is is travel and not just whether that be traveling to you know for example like we're talking wild places but it has always been at the core of of who I am and 
I feel like if I lost that, that would be like losing part of my identity. And Carmela as well, as, as you can get a glimpse of from her introduction, is a, a global nomad. And I think that is a strong part of my identity. And a lot of people in the Mother Wild community as well have that travel in their blood. Great, great question. So I, so going back, my grandfather, maternal grandfather, helped build the Camino uh, in Spain. He was an like agricultural engineer, and my grandmother hated nature. <laughs> so she would say like, "This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Just put asphalt all over it." And my dad was like this huge like fisherman, like loved going. He would take me mushroom picking and like not that kind of mushroom, the edible ones. And, um, and like, say, you know, like he was just a true, like he had done like the Navy, like, so for him, like nature, like he would, you know, it was his sanctuary. He would go into nature and I would just go along to be with him. Whereas my, my mom was just like, oh my God, don't take me too far away from the shopping mall in the movie theaters. So the two decades, and now what I'm realizing, and it's my dad passed away three years ago and I wasn't able to like give him one last hug. So to me, every time I'm in nature and close to the ocean, like it's my way of being with my dad. So I think I've like leaned into it even more than I have before in my life, just as a way of connecting with my dad. But I'm noticing my husband every time we like, cause like here in Thailand, there are like these beautiful waterfalls. Like my husband's like, can we go to the movies after? Like, um, I think there's a snake there. Um, where's there a scorpion? Like he, he's like, and my daughter's looking like she's, and whereas my son's like climbing up and down and diving in and jumping headfirst into things where like, we don't even know if there's a rock, stop it. So I'm noticing, and I think with moms too, we have one mom in the community, Bianca, who's just like, uh, my relationship to nature is in progress. Like for her, her idea of being in nature is like sitting on like a plastic chair, a lounge chair by a pool with as little critters as possible. So I would say, yeah, you, as you age, you either fall into one category who loves it or hates it. Or at least that's my experience of the close people around me. You know, my sister-in-law is like, I get nauseous just hearing what you guys do with your kids. Like she gets, like she's been in the same house or same apartment for 30 years. And, and it just gives her immense amounts of security to like have that mundane and routine, I just get really nauseous when there's too much repetition. So we're all built differently as long as you lean into what you need and just follow it. Mm -hmm. And without judgment of others or of yourself, I think you're, you're golden. Absolutely. And I think also that translates when we have children of our own and we want to instill that sort of poetic meaning where like our fathers have instilled in us the love of nature and we want our kids to appreciate it. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. And again, it's all a different. Like for our kids, like it's as if we're dislocating their leg every time we're like, can we just go for a little walk? And they're like, no, can I bring my iPad? Will there be Wi-Fi? So we have to like haggle with them. We're like, okay, so if we go hike for an hour, you get two hours of iPad. How's that? Like we've had, we have to negotiate. Like they don't care for nature. They're like, not again. <laughs> um, as long as they can connect to their devices. So we're like, all right, you'll get what you want if we can get what we want together just to hopefully in the future, <laughs> one of my kids might like nature. And it might take into wouldn't. It might not. Yeah. I, I, middle age that they're appreciating it right like we were talking about yeah I think it's like what you said you know like the what you read to us before about do it anyway because I, I I think definitely for me like when I was younger and we did a huge trip like my parents took me traveling when I was seven for half a year and you know like I was like oh, complaining about things like your kids and just wanted to go to Disneyland or the theme parks or not interested in any of like the art and the culture and then now when I reflect back that's all I'm like thankful for mm -hmm. but not at the time that's a good point and that may have instilled in you this sense of wanting to travel that maybe the seed was planted and it took a while to grow. It didn't show itself because it can be so frustrating. The type of things that we are trying to instill in our kids. My daughter's drug of choice is the Nintendo Switch. So I'm totally familiar with we don't leave the house unless we have some sort of screen to placate. And granted, this is an <laughs> babysitter, babysitter screen. Right, exactly. And I mean, I'm exaggerating, but I also... I'm so hard on myself. As we're talking about this, I'm realizing how hard I am on myself. It's bad enough that like our culture is 
shaming mothers, but like I have apparently adopted this and I'm realizing this as I want to be this good mother and the good mother does not have a screen babysitter. The good mother takes her child out into the world and adventures and they have deep spiritual experiences there daily, probably, right? They probably only eat like what, quinoa for breakfast? Like just with a little bit of honey only. And like, (laughs) I have this like very specific (laughs) ideal of like, this is how I am supposed to be as a person who values these things. And yet that is so impossible, such an impossible ideal. Chia seeds. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Can I put the chia seeds in? You could try with quinoa. With with flax, with, no, okay, anyways. Yes, no, we know what you mean. But yeah, what is the ideal? Who who defines it? Exactly. And this is like one of the first things, which I think we can apply, and it goes with everything we're saying, which the first thing they taught us in a nutritional course, Institute of Integrative Nutrition, the first thing they said was a food that can be very nourishing to someone can be poison to someone else. So just assuming that chia seeds fits for everyone is like so wrong. Um, And especially for kids, like I've been like, I'm like, eggs are healthy for breakfast. Turns out my daughter might have an allergy to them. It's like, oh, well, there we go. Poison for her, healthy for my son. It's an impossible mission. Like food, forget it. Like I don't even address it. Like it's just like, what's healthy? Well, what's, you find out, you, you, like your body will tell you what you, what you digest and what you don't digest. Like, and it might look very different to someone else. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I needed to hear, again, this whole thing is just exactly what I needed to hear. It's medicine for my own soul. So I'm curious, let's talk a little bit about Mother Wild in a practical sense. Now, if you want to introduce the other founders or co-leaders, since they're not able to hop on, I would be glad for you to include them in a way that honors them and feels right to you so they don't feel left out. So if you want to do that, and then also discuss how people can tangibly get involved in a practical Mm -hmm. sense with like, how does that look? You've mentioned retreats. Is there a specific place? Does it happen a certain time of year or many times, or is it online? Just any practical sort of tangible links that you can give me that I can connect listeners to that because- we all need that. I, I sense that now. We all need Mother Wild. So, Karin, I'll do the first part if you do the second part of how to get okay. uh, tangibly involved with the like the retreats parts and all everything. First of all, Liz, like Rachel was completely right. And I'm so glad she nudged you. And I'm glad you responded to that call and that invitation because you are very thoughtful with your questions and very inclusive and very kind and just, an, yeah, an incredible podcaster. So thank you. Um, yes we would love to give a shout out to well Tasha she has been an integral part of Mother While she is possibly the most authentic will hit the high notes with vulnerability Uh, she we have a term like when we tell when people join a retreat like you can be either completely emotionally prude and not open up you don't have to or you can be emotionally slutty and Tasha is usually the example of she's like I'll show you what slutty looks like <laughs> so she she's very transparent with everything and and Tasha's based on the west coast uh we Anjali used to be a part of she graduated from the Wildman Master we had like Karen Heselvik who used to run Pom Pom Social Hugh yeah just she stepped off to it, like was working with Nike. Anna Afyaknik was another one who ended up having two kids during COVID. who was insane accidentally. So she she's busy with motherhood and, and all time jobs. And and so, yeah, it's been there's been a rotation. And now right now, uh, Jilly from Europe has been stepping in. So we've got all these time zones between Asia and Europe and, and America, which means that one of us is always like really sleepy. So it makes it a bit hard to like all get together, but we, we do manage to, to, so Jilly's really good at like social media and visual things and just all around, just, and there, I mean, all these women are such incredible humans, but just the, I think the thread of like, they're seeking some, some spirituality. There's a great sense of humor. 
yeah, there's always laughter and, and it just feels like we're in the right place. What is it? Gloria Steinem said, when you're laughing, you're in the right place with the right people. So that feels true to us. And then Karin, I'll let you talk, add more. I might, I probably forgot to say things and then how to get involved. I just wanted to mention Anjali as well, because she has like brought two really essential elements to Mother Wild. One was rest and the importance of rest, which I think in motherhood especially we don't value. We're always trying to get through more stuff and pleasure. So we always refer to her as like our pleasure rest goddess. And she reminds us when we we push ourselves a little bit too much and uh, just like we say, about our kids not being able to fall from an empty cup. We can't leave Mother Wild in a way that completely drains us. So rest is an important part of what we do as well. And we do a couple of things. So we have our regular offering is our Mother Wild community. And that's every Thursday or Friday morning if you're in Asia, depending on your time zones. Like we said, we're quite global. And then that's just a chance to connect with people. We have a monthly topic. This month is taboo. And we just had an open conversation. So we all hop on and wherever the conversation goes, it goes. And then we have a movement practice. So either Carmela, me, or one of the other mothers who's involved, Bex, will lead a yoga practice. We have a co-working session. And then we also have like a, a session around the moon. So like new moon intention setting with Jilly who Carmela briefly mentioned, or um, a burn session as well. And uh, we do retreats. So during COVID, um, we mentioned this in the beginning, that a lot of our stuff was obviously virtual, but we've noticed that people now want to get together in person. Uh, so we have a retreat coming up in Bali in May. We have one Actually, coming up in Ohio. I was going to say, Kamala, I'm not part of that. But if you want to briefly introduce that, maybe that's a good time. Yes, we're going to for the, the eclipse on April 8th. Um, we will be co-hosting a Mother Wild event at one of them while the master's graduate farm and it's just going to be under her oak tree if midwest weather <laughs> cooperates otherwise it'll be in her she yeah she has this beautiful homestead farm and she'll be she has goats and um we'll just be gathering a couple of mamas so i think for your audience liz this might be a fun way to it's just going to be a couple hours from two to seven i think and it's in Oberlin, about half hour away from, is it Cincinnati? No. Oh, I'm... I'm Columbus? I'm, is it Columbus, no. Ohio? No. Difficult uh, thing that all major oh, Ohio cities start Oberlin. with a So, yeah. like, Cincinnati, <laughs> Cleveland, Columbus... Cleveland. It's 30 minutes from Cleveland. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you can make it, and there's also the opportunity to tent. So there is an in-day session, and then there's tents if you want to stay overnight. And I think there may be spaces in a cabin still as well. Yeah, so then the and the other retreat we have this year is in Greece in October. Um, we are launching a six-week course, a Grow Wild course, uh, and that starts on February 19th. And each week, it's all going to be over WhatsApp. So we know that mothers are busy and we don't want to add more to their plate. Uh, so it's bite-sized chunks and uh, we're going to cover different themes. So it's all on our website, but the themes are week one is mental, then physical, emotional, virtual, rest. The one I mentioned before is an important pillar of, of what we do. And week six is bloom. And I think that's it. So the community, the retreats, the course. And then we do, we just did a wolf moon retreat for the wolf moon. So we have different kind of pop-up events. Um, and that was a, a day long retreat, virtual retreat. Okay. I love that it's so accessible to so many, but also sort of feeds that wanderlust in both of you that you're able to travel places, but also be fed and nourished spiritually go ahead Carmela I think you were going to say something really quick just the format of the six-week course I think it, it addresses what Rachel I don't know if we said it when you were recording but what Rachel was saying of like you should do a podcast and you're like that's a terrible idea of not liking to hear your voice or 
And a lot of moms just don't have pockets to express what they think about certain things. So these are just like bite-sized pockets of like, you're going to have to look, you're going to have to look at yourself and, and be like, Oh, don't, don't like how I look today with the wrinkles and the pimples and the, and the, as a friend said, like no older woman should have braces, pimples and wrinkles. And you notice all the, you know, we just notice ourselves express yourself to a group of like-minded kind women just have some kind of healing effect. So this, it's going to be very much like this. And I'm so glad you, you leaned into the discomfort of, of doing a podcast. Thank you. I very much still don't identify as a podcaster. I'm very much still (laughs) a photographer. I'm an artist. I like to have like a very broad umbrella because I hate boxes and labels as it is, but I have really enjoyed stepping into this podcast role as I get to connect with really kind, good-hearted people like both of you. And I'm so grateful for both of you for being willing to come on and talk about this because Again, it might be difficult for people to show up, especially knowing that there will be some sort of introspection and vulnerability required, but it is the exact medicine that you need, truly. Before we wrap up the call, I would love if both of you or either one of you, whoever would like to share, do you have any spiritual practices or you've mentioned different principles that you use in Mother Wild rest? pleasure, all of these different sort of branches. Are these things that you utilize on a day-to-day basis in your personal lives that nourish you? I know both of you have a yoga practice, so that feels like a given, but I mean, apart from that. I think Karin might have a, a different answer to me, but I'm just like, I get, I like the mundane makes me not like literally when I was pregnant with my daughter, like, and I had to pick up my son from school, I couldn't take the same path because it would make me nauseous. <laughs> so I'd like vomit in the plants if I took the same path, like the the idea of like repetition. And right now we're in the month of ritual. So yes, you need to have like a, a practice per se, but the idea of like doing like the same like breath work and, and meditation and the yoga practice and journaling, like if it were the same every day, even though that's what yogis should aspire to, um, especially if you're doing a 40 day sadhana, that would make me hurl. So I like I like just keeping it, you know, like one day I'll just go <laughs> to my husband's I'll go rollerblading with my daughter and he's like oh no we're not rollerbladers please like he's a skateboarder he's just like oh my god (laughs) to him it's like death of the ego but yeah switching it up in terms of like uh physical practice and thought practice yeah no I, I I need different avenues as well what about you Karin I think it's an interesting question because we had a call for the mastermind this morning just a couple of hours ago And we were talking about this too, because what you're saying, like there's a difference between routine and ritual as well. And routine can be something that you do without thinking, because it's just something that you do all the time. And I've talked about this before, that some of the practices that I were more ritual to me become routine, and I don't want that to happen. And I think like you say, spicing it up and doing something different ensures that that's not going to happen. Yeah, I do. I do have regular rituals or, you know, that I, I wouldn't call routine because there is the mindfulness and the presence about them. But I get up before the kids and it's maybe 5.45 or or so. And it's a combination of meditation, yoga and breath work. But I think I've moved away from it being the same every day because I do need that little bit of spice. Uh, that would be my main way of staying centered and starting the day. Yeah, I love that. And I am the kind of person that both craves routine because I think probably something traumatic, I think it probably is rooted from childhood. The fact that I didn't have that, I'm like born in chaos. And so I, I crave routine to feel safe and yet I need a lot of variety. I am really it's a real challenge for me to have a disciplined practice where I'm doing the same exact thing day in and day out. But just knowing that you have those specific key elements, like I want to be doing this thing to help me connect with my creativity, or I want to be doing this thing to make me feel more centered. 
And it doesn't have to be the same thing for anybody, for everybody, or even for yourself. It doesn't have to be the same thing day in and day out. It doesn't have to be something you do in the same place, the same time, the same way every day. But just knowing that you have those sort of like cornerstones, those foundations that you are basing your day on day in and day out is is really interesting to know. I think I'm getting to know each of you so individually just on this short call. And it's really fun to see how your personalities are so different. And yet you have these really strong similarities. I think it would be really powerful to experience in person, especially also adding in all of the other members of Mother Wild and seeing how that all alchemizes together. Are there any other final parting words you want to say about a spiritual practice, about embodiment or Mother Wild before we part ways? Um, One thing I do want to add is that, oh, oh. (laughs) this is one thing we always do. We we talk at the same time. This is uh, (laughs) our, our style. But I, I'll just quickly add that uh, it doesn't have to be anything big. And one of the rituals, as we start at the beginning, we take three deep breaths. And three deep breaths takes just a couple of seconds. And there's such a shift in the energy. And I think tying yourself to, you know, what I said, that I wake up early and I do these practices. And it doesn't have to be that. It can be one minute and it will make a difference. And I'd love to add just that research is finding out that, you know, no matter what your individual self-actualization entails, what overrides it is who you're surrounded by and who your community is. And so to me, just having like solid, those solid people, key people that like you can rely on. And also just the spice of adding new humans, like meeting you, like just, you never realize like, you know, the red, you know, when you connect the red dots looking back, it's just like, oh, that one person who told me to read The Baby on the Fire Escape, which I'll read in 20 years time. But like, <laughs> just like meeting one person who just points in a, in a new direction that you had never thought of before. And it just like opens up a whole new, just so, yeah, I'm just grateful for meeting you. And I just encourage everyone to, yeah, sometimes just go a little bit out of your comfort zone to, to widen your community, because you never know what surprises might happen and what rainbows you might not be able to take off. (laughs) I am so grateful to be meeting both of you truly. And to speak to that just very briefly before we hop off. Yeah, it seems like it would be so easy to make an excuse to not go out to stay in your comfort zone. But then you don't go to that yoga class where you meet Karin, or you don't go to that meetup where you meet Tasha and these things don't transpire. It's so easy to look back in hindsight and say, oh yeah, like I met that person through this thing and it's changed my life dramatically in a professional or personal sense, a spiritual sense. And we can't possibly know what the grand picture of our lives is going to be like, but putting ourselves out there and endeavoring to be willing and be open makes all the difference. (laughs) 